I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey y'all, welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, February 12th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right, listeners, well, thanks so much for letting me have the week off last week to go across the pond, but we are back to business as usual. So it is the first podcast of the month for me. So we're going to start with coming up this month in the month of February in the world of sports. We've got swimming world championships, which began on the second. They go through till the 18th. The Pro Bowl for the NFL was on February 4th. The Super Bowl number 58 was last night, so that will be a huge chunk of this podcast. The Daytona 500 will be on February 18th. The NBA All-Star Game will be the same day. CONCACAF's Women's Gold Cup will be February 20th through March 10th, so that's soccer. The MLB spring training games begin February 22nd, and Formula One begins February 29th. So, as always, we start with the NBA. And again, so I'm completely skipping two weeks ago and just going with what happened this week and acting like it's a normal week. So, this week in the NBA, the Warriors had a slow start on Monday against the Nets, but they came back big in the third quarter. It helps that Nick Claxton was ejected for his second flagrant foul in the fourth quarter, and he had a career high of seven blocked shots before he got ejected. Ultimately, Golden State won by 11. The Cavaliers also won their 16th of the last 16 games. Due to that run, they are now second in the East, tied with the Bucks. Mitchell put up 40 points in Wednesday's game and then went on a 21-0 run to start their second half against the Nets on Thursday. 
Then the Pistons had a big upset beating the Kings on the road, also on Wednesday. Point guard Ivy put up 37 points, and they won by 13. Speaking of putting up a lot of points, Steph Curry had himself a day on Thursday, throwing up 42 in their win over the Pacers. They destroyed the Indiana team by 22. And then the Pistons took the Trailblazers into overtime, despite trailing by 15 at half. Portland's safe small forward Grant put up 49 points to get his team there, but they fell short in overtime and Detroit gets another big win this week. They now sit at eight wins on the season. The Lakers-Pelicans game on Friday was a high-scoring one. The teams had a combination of 161 points in the first half. The Lakers led 86 to 87 to 74. Overall, the Lakers got the best of the New Orleans team, 139 to 122. 87 to 74 at half is also equivalent to a lot of the other games at the total completion of regulation. And then the Bulls' magic game on Saturday was back and forth and ended up going into overtime before the Magic got the W, 114 to 108. Also, if you're like, wow, I really feel like I haven't heard Embiid's name in a while, that is for good reason because the MVP candidate has gone through surgery on his left meniscus. He will miss multiple games. There was actually no... Time frame given on when he was likely to return, but he will most likely miss the required minimum number of games that he can qualify for his next MVP. So kind of sad there. Also, since we have reached the all-star break, the all-star game is this weekend. I want to go ahead and go through some standings. So in the East Conference, the Celtics sit on top with 41 wins. And then we've got kind of a backup. The Cavs and the Bucks both sit at 35. New York Knicks at 33. First out of playoffs in the East would be the Brooklyn Nets. And the worst, no surprise there, is the Detroit Pistons with eight wins total and the Washington Wizards with nine. In the West, the Timberwolves sit at the top, but barely. It's a lot closer on this side, y'all. The Timberwolves have 36 wins, but they technically sit at the top of the rankings over the Clippers at 35 wins. Then the Thunder and the Nuggets both have 36 wins as well, but they have more losses. So it is a tight race between those four teams in the West. The last in is the Golden State Warriors right now who sit at exactly .500. And the first out would be the Utah Jazz. The worst in that league is better than the other two. The San Antonio Spurs sit at 11 wins, so at least they are at double digits. Moving along to NCAA basketball, and we started off the week with a doozy. The Sunflower Showdown took to the basketball court on Monday, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, that is the showdown between Kansas teams. The Jayhawks might be ranked number four, but this battle was close the whole time and ended up in overtime. The K-State Wildcats nearly doubled KU's score in overtime, though, to upset the top five team. This is Kansas State's sixth overtime win, which ties a D1 record. Also, and neither of these teams are in the top 25, but they are still noteworthy. Miami only managed to put up 38 points in their game against UVA. Holy Lord. And if you think that's low, you're right, because that is the lowest score ever by a college team since 1985. The Cavaliers, or UVA Cavaliers, scored 60 to hold on to their 23rd straight home win, which it leads the NCAA this season. 
The next day, number three, UNC went down to unranked Clemson in a close game as well. Also, Oklahoma may be unranked for now, but they handily beat number 21 BYU by 16. And number 22 Utah State also lost by 14 to Nevada. The Big 12 ranked showdown was a great one this week. Number 23, Texas Tech, and number 13, Baylor. The teams were separated by one point at half. After that, though, Baylor pulled away, beating the Red Raiders by six. Michigan is 8-15 and 15 on the season, but managed to beat number 11, Wisconsin. Providence had a killer comeback in the second half to take number 19, Creighton, to overtime. Then the Friars got the last laugh, winning by four. There was a ranked matchup in the SEC, and it was a rematch of the Iron Bowl on Wednesday. Number 12, Auburn put the beat down on number 16, Alabama, by 18. Both ranked games on Thursday went into overtime. Utah only scored 25 points in the first half, but then came back scoring 51 to take number eight Arizona into overtime. It took till third overtime to finally get a result, but Arizona Wildcats escape. Number 20, FAU, was not so lucky. Also on Thursday, UAB won by four. Both ranked games on Friday didn't go to overtime. Only one did, but both ended in an upset. Number 18, Dayton lost to VCU in a low-scoring game, losing 49-47. to I told you it was low. Then number 24, San Diego State lost to Nevada after going into overtime. Nevada has now beaten two ranked teams back-to-back this week, and they have another against number 25, New Mexico, tomorrow. Saturday was painful for teams ranked in the middle of the top 25, and there were a lot of them. In the Big 12, we had a huge matchup between number 13, Baylor, and number 4, Kansas. The Jayhawks weren't losing twice in one week, although it was a close one. Baylor missed two tying three-pointers in the final seconds to give the Jayhawks a W at home by only three. Texas A&M then came out hot in their game, scoring 40-plus in both halves to put away number six Tennessee Volunteers by 16 points. Here's the nasty streak. Number 10, Illinois, fell to Michigan State, who had exactly even halves with 44s in both and ended up winning by eight. Number 11, Wisconsin got destroyed because they only put up 56 total, falling to Rutgers by 23. That is their fourth straight loss. Number 12, Auburn also lost handily to unranked Florida by 16. Number 17, Kentucky tried to mount a comeback after being down 10 at half. And then they also managed, they almost managed it, but Gonzaga dogs were too much. That is Kentucky's third loss at home in a row. For the basketball blue blood, that is a lot of games in a row. Number 25, New Mexico then lost to UNLV and now have to go on to play Nevada, who keeps taking down ranked teams tomorrow. Number 20, FAU escaped Wichita State, whose current record is 10 and 14. And they took the Owls into overtime, though, before getting smoked. And that is all in one week. So that was a lot of upsets going on this past week. Keeping with that trend and going a little bit into NCAA women's basketball, as yesterday on Sunday, Caitlin Clark was just eight points away from the NCAA scoring record. We all thought she would get it against Nebraska. She only needed eight going into the fourth quarter but didn't score an entire point in that quarter. Nebraska also got the better of the Hawkeyes in a huge upset there. 
Then kind of going back to men's basketball, Indiana State broke into this week's top 25 rankings for the first time since 1979, which was when Larry Bird played for them. The Big 12 leads the conferences with the most teams ranked sitting at six. A little bit of NCAA football news. I finally feel like the coaching carousel is maybe starting to slow down, maybe. Boston College has hired their new head coach, stealing Bill O'Brien from Ohio State. But O'Brien was the head coach for Penn State previously and the Texans, and then has been more assistance since then. Ohio State then hired UCLA's head coach, Chip Kelly, to be their new offensive coordinator to replace Bill O'Brien. So that leaves a now Big Ten UCLA job open. UCLA, as of today, hired former Bruins football star and assistant coach Deshaun Foster, and they go into the Big Ten season with him. Foster originally took the Raiders running back coach job earlier this month before reneging on that offer and heading home to UCLA. Okay, so like I said, this is going to be a big chunk of this podcast because Super Bowl 58 was last night and it was a rematch from 2019 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. The last time these two met, the Chiefs got the better of San Francisco by 11. The last Super Bowl win for the Niners was 1994. But despite that, they were still favored in this one by one and a half points. So the game kind of started off slow, but it was definitely in the 49ers' favor. They were driving on their first drive of the game when they fumbled the ball, giving it back to the Chiefs and not scoring when they were on that side of the field. Good thing, though, the Chiefs do nothing with it and going three and out. The first scoring in the, was actually didn't even take place until the second quarter when the 49ers kicker Moody broke the longest field goal record in NFL Super Bowl history with a 55-yarder. The next drive, the Chiefs fumbled the ball inside the red zone. Literally looked like they were going to go score a touchdown. They fumbled the ball, and it was a first and goal. But no points on that for the 49ers either, but the California team was the first to score a touchdown in the final five minutes of the half on a beautiful trick play. And then just as the announcers were saying no team who was shut out in the first half has ever gone on to win the Super Bowl, they are 0-13, the Chiefs drive down the field and have a first and 10 at the 13-ish so not quite a first and goal, but the 49ers get a sack on third down. So the Chiefs go for a field goal and we go into Usher's halftime show. Niners up by seven. The Chiefs then get the ball back to start the second half and almost immediately throw an interception. That was Mahomes first in 218 pass attempts in the postseason, the longest record. Then it was a lot of defense with four straight three and outs. Finally, the Chiefs set it up for a new NFL Super Bowl record, 57-yard field goal. That is now the new record. Hope the San Francisco kicker enjoyed the other record for 25 minutes of game time. So the Chiefs are down by four. Two more three and outs, and then the Chiefs finally catch a break. On a punt return, the ball hits a Niners player's shoe, so the Niners don't get a good hand on it and muff the punt. Chiefs scored on literally the next play. So Chiefs now up by three. And that just seemed to be the kick in the butt that the Niners needed. And they just wanted to trail because all of a sudden the 49ers start charging down the field like they hadn't all half. They go for it on fourth and three and tight end Kittle comes up clutch with his 
first reception of the game. Kelsey and Kittle are two of the most well-known tight ends in the entire NFL, and both were kind of mysteriously quiet for the first half and a half, uh, second half, or first half of the second half as well. So it was kind of crazy there. So that is his first reception of the night. They would score a touchdown on the next play. So Niners up by three after a missed extra point. This game had everything, y'all. Mahomes and company then make it to the three before getting stopped. Chiefs kick a field goal. Tied game. Then the Niners kick a 53-yard field goal, which is good to go up by three. Chiefs get the ball back with a minute 53 left down by three. They drive down the field again inside the red zone and can't break in. So a field goal ties it, and we head into overtime 19-19. The 49ers win the coin toss but decide to start with the ball, which is a very odd decision in my opinion. Usually you want to give the ball to the other team and see what they're going to do so that way you know what you have to do to either win or lose. But in this case, they decided to start with it, which I thought was super weird. Um, then take, they do take a lot of time off the clock. They took seven minutes through their drive and ultimately end up with a field goal from the nine. Then it gets back to Mahomes's hands. And I mean, even I was scared and I didn't really care who won this game. The 49ers defense played extremely well, keeping the chiefs to a seven minute drive also and outside the red zone until the final two plays when Mahomes throws a perfect pass to Hardman over the shoulder in the quarter of the end zone. It was beautiful and they win the Super Bowl. That is the seventh longest Super Bowl on record and the Chiefs win their second Super Bowl in a row. The first repeat since the Patriots did it in 2003 and 2004. This team has absolutely made it known that they want to go for a three-peat. It is and they that and that that has always been on the table and I honestly believe them considering this was their down year Kansas City will be around for quite some time also um obviously it wouldn't be the Super Bowl if I didn't talk about the best commercials the best commercials in my opinion were Dunkin Donuts with Ben Affleck and J-Lo and um Mark Wahlberg and Tom Brady it was crazy um I have linked all of these on the blog the M&M's commercial with making a Super Bowl ring with the size of losers was also hysterical. And then as a 90s slash 2000s kid, the Uber Eats commercials where you have to remember that Uber Eats delivers all these things and so you forget something else. Literally, Jen, a.k.a. Rachel Green from Friends, forgets Ross and it's hysterical. So I did link those three commercials on the blog. Also, this past week, a little overshadowed by the game yesterday, but Lamar Jackson won the NFL MVP with just one vote short of being unanimously. He is just one of 11 players to win the MVP multiple times, so he joins an elite club with this win. Moving along to golf, waste management, which is the Waste Management Phoenix Open, is usually considered one of the biggest parties in the sports world completely, and it had to close its gates due to overcrowding and alcohol sales were stopped for the first time ever. A fan was hurt also by falling from the stands, and multiple golfers were upset by the rowdy crowd throughout the weekend. The tournament also was majorly delayed due to a huge amount of rain. It honestly looked like we were going to finish on a Monday, and this is now the second PGA Tour tournament in a row to be kind of displaced by rain. 
So the players had to have marathon days finishing the third round on Sunday morning and then restarting. I think the um, ultimately the winner said he had like eight minutes before he had to be back on the tee again. So absolutely crazy. But they did finish before the Super Bowl. And now let's get to some actual golf. Nick Taylor started the week with a course record tying 60 low round. Then Scotty Scheffler shot himself into contention for his three-peat during the third round with a 66. That only put him two shots behind the leader. He was going for the first three-peat on the PGA Tour since Steve Stricker did it at the John Deere Classic from 2009 to 2011. And then Charlie Hoffman was leading by three with four holes to play for the final group. It looked like he was going to ease into this. I had to go back and rewatch the ending. And it seemed like it was going to be like a fitting finish because he is sponsored literally by the namesake of Waste Management as well. But then Nick Taylor birdied three of the final four holes in regulation to force a playoff with Hoffman, who was just chilling in the clubhouse waiting and kind of, you know, hitting balls, just staying warm. And then Taylor continued the streak, birdieing both playoff holes as well to win on the second playoff hole and to take his fourth PGA Tour title. The Live Tour was back this week, and like the Super Bowl, it also was in Las Vegas. Dustin Johnson won his third Live event by one stroke, and although DJ won individually, Smash Golf Club won the team event by seven strokes. The Corn Ferry Tour has also been on a roll lately with two sub-60 rounds in a single week by two different players. One was Chilean Del Solar, who had a Corn Ferry Tour record with a 57 on Thursday. And then the very next day, a uh, South African shot a 59 in the Asatera Golf Championship also. So absolutely a crazy week for the Corn Ferry Tour. Moving along to Olympic sports, Swiss skier Laura Guparami won the giant slalom by one one hundredth of a second this past weekend. She now overtakes Michaela Schifrin in the World Cup overall standings. Remember, Schifrin is out with an injury after a crash and her return is unclear. Also, it is World Championships for swimming. On the first day, Chinese relay team won the 4x100-meter freestyle relay, which isn't crazy noteworthy, but the first leg swam by a 19-year-old Pan Zanali was, or at least I think that's how you pronounce it, was the fastest ever in a pool. It is legal for the first leg of the relay to count towards world records. Also noteworthy, so far, Canadian Summer's Macintosh broke Katie Ledecky's 13-year undefeated swim streak in the 800-meter free. McIntosh came in six seconds ahead of Ledecky. Ledecky is still the favorite for the Paris Olympics after winning London, Rio, and Tokyo Olympic gold medals in that event, but she has been put on notice. China currently leads the medal count with 17 golds, 25 total. Team Great Britain is in second with 11, but only one gold. And Australia sits in third with 10 and three golds. USA sits with two golds, two silvers, three bronze, and a total of seven medals. Speaking of Olympic or world and Olympic medals, the Paris Olympic medals will contain a piece of history. It always means a lot when you win an Olympic gold medal, but to quote the SEC, it just means more this time. Every Olympic gold medal and every medal will contain a piece of the Eiffel Tower. The pieces were cut from girders and other pieces that have been swapped out during renovations over the years, but now Olympic medalists will own a piece of history.
Also, I just have a couple of quick one-liner highlights from other sports that I didn't really want to do a whole section on. So in the baseball world, Clayton Kershaw, the all-star pitcher, will return to the Dodgers, as will Jose Altuve, the all-star hitter, to the Astros. Those are two stars returning to their home cities. Bobby Witt agreed to a deal with the Royals for 11 years at $288 million. So we're starting to see some movement there as we begin spring training this month. In the hockey world on Tuesday, the Edmonton Oilers lost their first game after 16 straight wins. They lost 3-1 to against the Golden Knights. That win streak dated back to December. So December 19th was the last time that they had lost. The league record in the entire NHL was 17 wins dating back to 1992, the Penguins. So the Oilers fall just one win short of tying that record. Olympic news, Team USA had the first team to qualify for synchronized swimming competition since the Beijing Games in 2008. So the United States will be back in that event. And then in the World Cup soccer news, New Jersey is officially the World Cup final destination. Moving along, that is what happened over the last week. Again, just the last week. Now we're going to go over what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. And we are going to start with NCAA softball as softball season is back. This week, we see a blockbuster event, the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational, which has a lot of the top ranked teams. So I will only announce ranked first ranked matchups. But this week, there's a lot, y'all. On Thursday, softball again. Number three, Stanford will play number four, Florida State at three o'clock. That will be at ESPNU. Friday, we have five ranked first ranked matchups, starting with number six, Georgia at number 11, Oklahoma State at 9 a.m. Yep, on ESPNU, followed by 25, Northwestern versus 15 LSU at 11 on SEC Network. Floor number four, Florida State takes on eight, UCLA at noon on ESPNU. Number two, Tennessee takes on number three, Stanford, at two on ESPN2. And number three, Stanford has a back-to-back at Texas, number five, at eight o'clock on ESPN2 as well. Then on Saturday, three ranked games, starting with number six, Georgia, at number four, Florida State, at 9 a.m. on ESPN2. Number 11, Oklahoma State, at 15, LSU, at 9.30 on SEC. And number eight, UCLA versus number two, Tennessee, at three on ESPNU. Sunday, rounding out the tournament, number five, Texas, at number 25, Northwestern, at 8.30 a.m. on ESPN2. And number four, Florida State versus number two, Tennessee, at 7 on ESPN. Moving along to the NBA, number on Tuesday, the, the Thunder at the Magic at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Kings at the Suns at 9. Then on Wednesday, the Bulls take on the Cavs at 6.30 on ESPN, followed by the Clippers at the Warriors at 9. And the last for the week, the Bucks take on the Grizzlies at 7.30 on Thursday on TNT. Then we hit the All-Star break. The All-Star game will be on Sunday, the West versus the East at 7 on TNT. In NCAA men's basketball, number four, Kansas takes on 23 Texas Tech tonight at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Tuesday, ranked first ranked games, number 25, Oklahoma takes on 12 Baylor at 8 on ESPN2. Wednesday, number 11, South Carolina at 13, Auburn. They play at 7.30 on SEC Network. And then on Saturday, we've got three ranked first-ranked matchups, a huge one in the Big East. Number four, Marquette at number one, UConn at two on Fox. 
Then number six, Kansas takes on 25 Oklahoma at 3 p.m. on ESPN, both playing ranked versus ranked opponents in two times this week. Then number 22, Kentucky at 13, Auburn at 5 on ESPN, also taking on another ranked opponent. NCAA women's ranked first ranked games on normal scheduled programming on Thursday. Number six, NC state takes on 16 Notre Dame at five on ACC on Friday. Number eight, Colorado at number 22, Utah at seven on PAC 12. Then on Sunday, 12 VTech versus 18 Louisville at one on ESPN and number 10 USC at number 11, Oregon state at two on PAC 12 network. This week, Tiger Woods has said he will be in action for the first time in 2024 at his own tournament at LA Country Club. That will be at the Genesis Invitational. That will start Thursday, round one at two on Golf Channel, same time on Friday. Then on Saturday, the golf it will pick up on Golf Channel at noon for round three, head over to CBS at two, and then back to the Golf Channel at six. That is around three on Saturday. Same similar times on Sunday. So starting at noon on Golf Channel for the final round, moving over to two o'clock on CBS, and then back to Golf Channel at 530. In the hockey world, the on Wednesday, the Panthers take on the Penguins at 6.30 on TNT. Then we've got a bunch of big-time games on ABC this weekend. Saturday, the Kings at the Bruins started off at 11.30 on ABC. The Oilers at the Stars will play at 2, followed by the Flyers at the Devils at 7. And then on Sunday, the Rangers at the Islanders, also at 2 o'clock on ABC. Different events going on for the Olympic sports this week. Catch it this weekend on Friday, starting with women's gymnastics, NCAA, Florida versus Mizzou at 6 on SEC. Or if you'd rather watch the ACC, you can watch Pitt versus UNC. Then we go back to the SEC network for Auburn versus LSU at 8 p.m. Saturday, track and field, the USATF or USA track and field indoor championships will be in New Mexico. That will be televised at three o'clock on NBC. And then on Sunday, cross country skiing, the World Cup event will be at three also on NBC. That wraps it up for me this week. Hopefully you enjoyed your week off from me, but I am back through the regular scheduled programming and we'll be back every week from now on for the rest of the year. With football coming to a close, we're in the middle of NCAA and NBA basketball. It's about to be March Madness, y'all. It is a great time to be a sports fan. I will catch y'all next week. <laughs>